Last week I rejoined us in family moments before I started preaching the sermon. Um, I had promised you a long time ago I'd teach you regularly on how giving benefits your spiritual life and then I kind of got distracted as I do so I'll teach you some more until I get distracted as I will. Um, I was thinking this week about um, alchemy. I've, I've got a great uh, interest in chemistry and the, and, and the, and the basic, or, or all sciences, the basic beginning of, of, of chemistry was kind of a greed oriented. Alchemy was a medieval um, practice and superstition that somehow you could change ordinary materials into gold, into gold. Now, as I think about our spiritual life, one of the great principles of our spiritual life is how we can change gold into something even more valuable. That's what stewardship is. Let me uh, tell you about the, the verse I was thinking about. It's, it's one that I could, you know, that we could go over forever, but this comes from Matthew chapter six, verses 19 through 21, where Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Whenever I read that verse, I think about when I was, when I was growing up, they had certain assigned books in school, you know, that you had to, Silas Marner was one of those books. Remember reading Silas Marner? Silas Marner is about this old miser that just is in love with his gold. And, and every night lives in his village, you know, and, and he's never friendly because he's self-sufficient and he's focused on his treasure. And, 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 and so every night he'll, he's got a hiding place near his hearth and he'll take the brick out and he'll get his gold out and he'll count it one by one with great satisfaction and security. And then he stores it back in. Well, of course, one night a thief breaks in and steals. And he's devastated. And one by one, the villagers come by and they try to console him. They've always been there for him, even though he hasn't always been there for them. As the book proceeds, there's a little girl and her mother who are trudging through the snow. And her mother dies. And this little girl sees a light in a cabin. And she comes into Silas Marner's cabin. And Silas is, a, is asleep. And she lays down on the hearth because that's where the fire is. And she's trying to stay warm. Silas Marner awakes sometime later to see, just with his blurry eyes, her little golden curls backlit by the fire. And he thinks, somebody has returned my gold. But he gets up to discover it's a child retracing her steps he sees that her mother is dead and he determines that he will raise her. It changes his whole life. Even later in the book when his gold is rediscovered at the bottom of a pit, it doesn't matter to him because not having his gold, he exchanged it for something more valuable. He learned to love. This little girl opened up his life in ways that his gold had closed it. He learned to rejoin the community because he needed their help raising a little girl and she connected him with many. So he transformed his gold into something much more valuable. Could I just say, 
that that's what stewardship is. You realize, of course, you can only go to heaven with two things. We're praying for your mama, by the way. I know you just got, probably got a call. We're praying for your mom. Okay. Let's, let's, let's all take a moment and pray for his mom. The hospice just came up and he, they give her just a little bit longer to live. So let's just take a moment. Lord, we do pray that you will receive this woman. You made this woman. You love this woman. Give her safe passage to your side, to your arms. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Uh, so, basically, when you go to heaven, you get to take two things, and only two. Number one are the ways you loved. Because God is a God of love and God is a God of relationship, you will be able to take some relationships there that you shared eternity with. But number two, scripture says, you will be able to take investments only in eternal ways, only in eternity. And so if you really, really are wanting to maximize your stewardship, think about that. Think about that. Okay, now let me tell you what we're gonna do with our remaining time, and we haven't gotten very much of it, but I'm gonna be preaching for months on the Holy Spirit. So we don't need to cram it all into one, one deal. I just, I, I want to set kind of a foundation for you because most of us have shortchanged what God wants to do in our lives and is capable of doing in our lives. What God made us for. I've been telling you for a long time, each of us has been fearfully and wonderfully made for a contribution to this world that is irreplaceable. No one else can make it but you. The Lord put into you particular gifts that no one else can give like you can give and set you among relationships that no one else has but you. And so therefore, you were made for a reason. You've been through what you have for a reason. You're still here for a reason. Wouldn't you like to know what the reason is? And so that's what we're going to be discovering together in community because that's the only way you can discover it. You can't discover it by yourself. God rigged the system. You can only discover it in relationship because God himself is a relationship. And so that's the only way our God-given gifts will come out. Let me read to you about living in the spirit today. We're just going to get started. Living in the spirit as differentiated from living in the flesh. All right? It says in Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 5, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. And those who are in the flesh, just living merely in the flesh, cannot please God. Now, it doesn't mean our service with our bodies doesn't please God. But if you're thinking only in the flesh, you can't please God. It says, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. In other words, if you're a Christian, you're in the spirit. If you're not a Christian, you're not. The spirit is out here. It goes on. If Christ is in you, there it is, 
Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and he does, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Let me tell you the reason we need to go through months of retraining how we think. To think like God, to live in the spirit, to have our relationships, spiritual relationships, because somehow we have sold God. We've, we've said, you know, my faith is a good counterbalance to what I'm going through in the world. You know, if what, if what we're going through, the, uh, through in the world um, 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 is, is, is not good, then we try to make it better by our faith. But somehow, even those of us who have the most faith reduce our faith to a hope for someday or to a belief in God who loves us. It's Mother's Day. I won't tell you a Mother's Day sermon. It's not a Mother's Day sermon. It's about a mother. Um, and, and she's a friend of ours. And she was one of Becky's students years ago. And so Becky's on Facebook. I'm not, I don't get on Facebook, but Becky reads me about Facebook. Uh, reads to me about Facebook. And so she was tracking this girl, and this girl has a six-year-old girl of her own. And one day her little girl came in, and this was recently, like in the last week or so, said, Mommy, I want you to, to pray that I can catch a, ask God to help me catch a bird. And, and her mom's just, her mom's really sharp, and so is her dad, but her mom's super sharp theologically, and she's thinking, oh man, I don't want her to be disappointed in God when he, she can't catch a bird. And, and I, I don't know if I have to pray for something that's probably not going to happen. And, and so, but, she, but the little girl looks so sweet. That, so this, you know, she gave in. So she says, you know, God help her catch a bird. Well, this girl goes out. And like a couple days later, she comes squealing onto the porch. And in her hand is a cardinal, a perfectly healthy cardinal and so Jenny takes a picture of this cardinal the girl opens her hand the cardinal flies away Jenny said honey do you remember praying that God would help you catch a bird and the little girl said no now Jenny's thinking God what you are so good to help a little six-year-old catch a catch a bird but why would you help her catch a bird when she won't even remember it? Jenny said a couple of days later, she felt God's ahem in her heart. And God spoke into her heart and said, I didn't do that for her. She didn't need it. You did. You see, the longer we live, the more we learn to do without God. And the more we learn to place our faith in something that's counterbalancing, you know? If, if we're all, you know, tense and it's awful, then we need our faith to give us peace. If, we, if we're all bored, then we need to give our, you know, to, to, for our faith to give us a little excitement, something bigger, you know? I heard a story a long time ago about this dog who broke into a, a medicine cabinet and ate an entire jar of Rolaids. Entire jar of Rolaids. The owner comes in, totally panicked, calls the vet, says, my dog just ate an entire jar of Rolaids. What do I do? Silence. 
Finally, the voice comes through, take him out for Mexican. <laughs> That's how we live our life. It's kind of a counterbalance, you know? It's not expecting too much. Just help me survive. I heard another story. This is years ago. Many of you have heard this story. I love this story. It's about this coach who's sending out scouts to recruit for his team. And these scouts are lined up on a bench. And, 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 the, and the coach is saying, now men, when you go out there, you're going to see a guy who gets knocked down and gets back up. And he gets knocked down and he doesn't get back up again. And one of the scouts says, we don't want him, do we, coach? The coach says, no. He said, but then you'll see a guy who gets knocked down and gets back up, gets knocked down, gets back up, gets knocked down, gets back up, gets knocked down, and then he stays down. And another one says, we don't want him either, do we, coach? Coach says, no. And then when the, the coach says, but you'll see a guy who gets knocked down, gets back up, gets knocked down, gets back up, gets knocked down, gets back up, and no matter how many times he gets knocked down, he gets back up. And the scouts say, we want him, don't we, coach? The coach says, no, we want the guy who's knocking everybody down. <laughs> See, we don't live in the power of the Spirit. We just live in the help of the Spirit. God wants you to be more than conquerors. What is that? What is that? First of all, here's what all of us need to know. That if you have Christ in you, you have the Spirit in you. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, don't you know that you're, you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Now remember what Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is in you, the kingdom of heaven is among you. The kingdom of heaven is in you personally, but the kingdom of heaven is called out by those among you who are also Christians. And so therefore, have no doubt that if you have Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit, we, will all, we were all baptized into one body. Watch this. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Now think who he's, who he's saying this to. He's writing this to the church at Corinth. Anybody who knows anything about the scriptures know the church's Corinth was a mess. And he's saying, you're all a mess, but you all still have the Holy Spirit. And so, and so we need to understand we have the Spirit. We need to understand we have every capability in us because the Spirit lives in us. And the Spirit is not a force, it's not an it. You know, it's a person. Years ago, when I was a Methodist pastor, I, 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 I preached in raiment, you know? That's because that's what Methodist pastors do. I had, had, you know, long robes and stoles. And, you know, most of the time, many times I'd wear a, 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 a clergy collar. And, and one time this, I came out of the church in this, Little boy just dropped down in front of me and held up his cross and said, Father, bless my cross so that I can have good luck. Well, you know, I didn't feel like giving him a lecture, you know. He was just a sweet little kid, you know. But I prayed for him that he would understand that God was with him. We want this power in an object. We want this power in a belief. We want this power in words. 
This is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person who lives in you. It's a relationship. And therefore, we need to draw on this relationship. You can't live a spiritual life without tapping into the realm of the Spirit through your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You're, you're needing that too badly not to have that. One time when I was living in Indiana, I was out running. And it's kind of fun to run in Indiana because you run on all these back roads and there's no traffic and so on and so forth. So I was on about, I don't know, my sixth or eight mile or whatever, whatever it was. I was just sucking wind. And by running, I mean waddling. <clears throat> but, but I was really needing, you know, and I came into this pocket. Now, anybody who owns a motorcycle, I used to have a motorcycle. And you know that there are pockets of air. You go through pockets of air. Some are cold, some are a little bit warmer, you know. And some of, some of them are just, this one was a pocket of odor, not air. I'm running down this country road and I run into this pocket of the worst smelling. And I looked up and on either side of me was a hog farm. On both sides, hog farm. It had rained the night before. So all of this stuff is just kind of running up beside the road, you know? And I'm thinking, I'm gonna to try to get through this without breathing very much. My body said to me, what are you doing? You really think you can go with that? Can I just tell you, that's what we do spiritually. I'm gonna to try to get through this period without utilizing what's inside of me. What are you doing? You can't get through what you need to get through. You can't grow from what you need to grow from. You can't understand what God is doing without breathing the Holy Spirit that is in you. All of us need to learn to do that. It says in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You think your life stinks? The answer is here. The answer is the one who lives inside of you. And so let me paint this picture for you right now, okay? Because many of us are stuck in an Old Testament understanding of the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit just kind of comes and goes. And that's, that's the way it was until the day of Pentecost, until the day Jesus, you know, you know the, the, the night Jesus breathed the, the Holy Spirit on his disciples, that's the way it was. It says, for example, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, talking about David, he's anointing him king, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. What's the Holy Spirit experience in the Old Testament? You can be anointed by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit can come for an occasion or for a season. But the Spirit can also leave. Remember the psalmist. Lord, take not thy spirit from me. Take not thy spirit from me. Now let me tell you the difference between that and Pentecost, where the Spirit of Christ comes on each one of those disciples and gives them supernatural powers. 
The difference between that and Christ living in you is that you always have the indwelling. The spirit never leaves. You always have that one living inside of you, that one who made the world, that one who raised Christ from the dead is the one living in you right now. And so what should our response be? To be filled with him. To be filled. See, just because he's in there doesn't mean that you are experiencing his full power or you're depending on him for your life. Or you're engaging his insight, his will, his power for what you're doing. Ephesians 5:18 says this. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, this in Greek, this is in present imperative. An imperative is a command. An imperative is something that you not only can do, you need to do. But it involves your will. It's your decision. If you don't do it, you won't have the benefit. If you do it, you will have the benefit, but God orders you to do it. God orders you to do it. Be filled with the Spirit. Now watch this. <clears throat> the Spirit requires repeated filling. This present verb tense here means you do it continually on a repeated basis. Why? Very simple. Because we leak. We leak. And Jeremiah says we're like broken cisterns. You get filled one day, the next day you're empty. What is God's solution to that? Turn to me again. What is a great relationship? Not that you loved once and you maintained that love, but that you turn to each other every day, every moment you're alive. Turn to me again, God says. Be filled with the Spirit again, God says. Here's the difference between indwelling and filling, all right? First of all, indwelling comes once. It's all you need. Accept Christ into your life right now. The Holy Spirit is there permanently. But filling is a repeated dynamic. You need to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Number two, indwelling is for all Christians. All Christians. But filling is for only those who decide to do it. Number three, Indwelling is permanent. Filling is temporary and must be repeated. Number four, indwelling has to do with faith. Filling has to do with yieldedness. Lord, I am yielded to you. And so therefore, it's really important that we personally ask God, I'm going to teach you in just a moment how to do that, but there's one more aspect to this I really want you to learn. This is going to, I haven't got enough time to teach you a lot, but I'll be back and we're going to do this for months. 
The role of the community. See, I taught you last week why you need the church and why the church needs you. Let me just continue with those installments also. You will not be able to be filled or you won't decide to be filled with the Holy Spirit just on the strength of your faith alone. You will only remember that as, as, the, as the world beats you up. If you have people around you who are praying for you, who are encouraging you to have faith in God. It's that important. I've been reading lately about epigenetics. Epigenetics is a fairly new field. And, and, and you know, we're going to talk about your spiritual gifts. Your spiritual gifts are planted in you by, by Christ. But that doesn't mean they become active. Just because you have a spiritual gift doesn't mean it's been activated. And with my, again, with my love of science, I'm interested in the human genome and how we're made up biologically. And each of us have millions of histones in us threaded around, think of a histone as a spool, threaded around with strands of DNA. The DNA has the genes on it, your genes. Now watch. Just because you have a unique set of genes doesn't mean every one of them are turned on. Your genes can be turned on or turned off. There are certain triggers, all right? Now, let me get, let me catch, let me get to the question. The, the study of, uh, uh, of epigenetics, ep, epa means on top of, it's a Greek word, it means on top of, means that there are certain triggers from your environment that can turn on a particular gene capacity that you have that may be turned off right now. And so therefore, how you surround yourself has everything to do with your level of capability. Because there is an impact physiologically on you. The same is true spiritually. You have spiritual gifts in you. But who you surround yourself with, the environment you create has everything to do with whether or not that gift is activated. And so therefore, let's just go back to the basics here. And let's go back to the basics of being filled with the Spirit, all right? Very simple four-step process. And, and, I, and I want us just to begin this this week. First of all, in order to be filled with the Spirit, you got to repent. God doesn't give you power to sin. This is what stops it with most of us, you know. God, I want you to fill me with the Spirit, but I'm going to keep on sinning. Uh, no. We're not going to go there. I'm not going to encourage you to destroy your life and the lives of people who love you. I'm not going to do it. So in order to be filled with the Spirit, we have to say, God, I'm going to repent. And the repent comes with fits and starts. Yeah, that just, that happens. But, but the point is that you've got to be walking toward God with your obedience as well as with your hope. Number two, ask God to fill you with his perspective, the mind of Christ, with his will and with his power. Just ask. He wants to. Just ask. You gotta ask. Number three, 
Focus on Christ, not on your sin. I told you this last week. I'm going to keep telling you this because all of us get fixated on everything we're doing wrong. Stop that. The more you get obsessed with what you're doing wrong, the more you'll be distracted from what you ought to do right and the capacity of what you have to do right. Stop that. Remember what it says in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us. What do you do when you lay something aside? Do you keep looking at it? No, you've laid it aside for crying out loud. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's it. Pay more attention to Jesus. You know, D.L. Moody used to have a, a thing where he used to do with a glass. And he would challenge people, get the air out of that glass. And, and, and they say, well, I, I don't know how to get air out of a glass. Maybe if we had enough suction, we could suction the air out of the glass. Dio Moody said, yeah, but then the glass would break. Finally, they'd say, how do you get air out, air out of a glass? He'd take a pitcher of water and just fill up, the, fill up the glass at the top. He'd say, now the air's out. Get the sin out of my life. Fill it up with the Holy Spirit. Sin will be out of your life. All right? So it's, it, concentrate on what you can. Now, one more thing. The, the fourth one is what? Discovering and using your spiritual gifts for the sake of others. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 and 7. We're going to come back to these verses many times. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I'm going to be informing you about your gifts for the coming months. Don't miss this or you will miss why you were wired like you were. And I don't want you to go without that knowledge, nor does God. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. There is no such thing as a Christian without spiritual gifts. To each one has been given the manifestation for the, of the Spirit for the common good. You need to know what yours are. You need to discover that in community because you'll never discover it by yourself so keep coming back okay everybody stand up that was the pre-game talk i've always wanted to be a coach man so i i'm gonna have to coach you in spiritual things it's our spiritual team i'm gonna say a prayer and in this prayer is embedded the prayer of salvation if you have never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, I want you to do it right now so that you can know not only you will be going to heaven, but you know the living Christ and his spirit is in you. I want you to know that for sure. God wants you to know that for sure. And so if you've never personally invited him into your heart, I'm going to say a prayer right now. When I come to that part, I want you to pray that prayer with me so that you can be certain. And I want you to write this date down in your Bible so that you know this is the day when you specifically ask Christ into your heart and he came into your heart. Number two, I'm going to say after that a prayer of dedication for us all. A simple request that God would fill us with his spirit. And I want you to pray that personally. All right? So that we can be fully empowered and dedicated and useful to him and those around us. Pray with me. 
Lord Jesus, thank you that you have made each of us unique and necessary to your plan in building the kingdom and changing eternity. Lord, there are some of us who have believed, but we've never asked you to come and live in our heart. But we want to do that right now. And we do that simply by praying, Lord Jesus, I know when you died on the cross, you paid for my sins too, to remove all of the barriers between me and God. And you took away not only my punishment, but the power of that sin in my life. And you offer me the gift of salvation. Right now, I accept that gift. And I ask you to come and live in my heart and make of my life whatever you want. And for all of us, Jesus, who have you living in our hearts, we ask you, fill us with your spirit. Make it not dependent on circumstances or feelings. Make it a spiritual fact that you will guide us, that you will empower us, and that we will be more than conquerors. We will be servants. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go to the Hub, get connected. There's a prayer team down here. Come back next week. I'm going to teach you more. See you.